It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked on Sports Minnesota. Today, we react to Kevin O'Connell's comments, the annual meetings. Hi, this is Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. Not quite a Luke-less podcast, but close enough to make me happy. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Less than one month. That's right. Just 28 days until the NFL draft. And that means 28 days until I can finally get a new bit for this intro. I know Sam can't wait. Reggie Wilson, Care 11. It wouldn't be a pod with Luke underscore Spinman without talking about the NFL draft. I plan on hearing all of what he has to say. All that and plenty more on today's Minnesota football party. Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in on a Thursday. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's Sam, it's Luke, it's Arif, and it's special guest Reggie Wilson, sports director at CARE 11, joining us today at Reggie Wilson TV. He is the, the opener, like in a baseball game, he's the opener. Ron Johnson is the closer today. Uh, it's a nice setup to, on today's Minnesota Football Party, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. On today's show, we rehash what we heard from KOC at the annual meetings. Got a couple fan questions for you, including who's going to wear the number zero on the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, and who is the scariest player that the Packers, Bears, and Lions could draft to inhabit the NFC North for years to come? We are free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Find us as well on the Roku and Amazon Fire Stick devices, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. Gentlemen, we welcome you in today. Let's jump right into it. Annual meetings have been this week. We've seen a lot of amusing photos of coaches. We've, we've uh, read the scuttlebutt from the journalists, the people rubbing elbows, and uh, press conferences as well from the head coaches, including Kevin O'Connell. He held court for about 30 minutes down in Arizona. Did anything come out of that, Reggie Wilson? We go to you first, our guest. Did anything come out of that that caught your ear? I think uh, a few things, but him being excited about year two with Kirk Cousins, he mentioned that 
Kirk told him, other than in 2015 and 16 with Sean McVay, this will be the first time in his career that he will have back-to-back years with the same play caller. And that's kind of crazy if you think about it. You know, so much criticism goes on Kirk for some of the plays that he makes, you know, checking it down. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about the play that he made against the Giants, checking it down to TJ Hawkinson with the game on the line. It it seems to be that Kirk thinks that that he could be better in year two, having a little bit more comfort in the system, and Kevin O'Connell believes him. Another thing that I thought was interesting is he has a lot of faith, Kevin O'Connell does, and a Caleb and Andrew Booth and the work that they're doing already in the offseason to build towards being two of the top corners on this team. With that being said, he still said that they – feel like they need to add some, whether it's uh, free agency or in the draft. So we could see the Vikings take another cornerback early in the draft. Arif, what do you think? Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add to that. I think that the primary takeaway are the comments about Kirk Cousins. And of course, there's always going to be a difference between, you know, words and actions, right? The Vikings did not give him a long-term extension. Sounded like he wanted one. So we'll kind of see what that faith and confidence means versus kind of what the Vikings actually do with that level of faith and confidence. Um, Obviously, you know, there were some questions that came up about, you know, whether or not they're going to extend Justin Jefferson. Obviously they were like, yeah, we've been talking about it. Um, They're not going to let that guy go. So uh, I don't know that there was like a ton of takeaway. I know that, you know, they were able to talk to Ziggy Wolf for a little bit and, you know, Wolf talked about how the goal, you know, in ownership philosophy is to always be competitive. So we're not going to really have, too many, and I think that th- this one is played out. It is not, I think, just lip service. They're always going to uh, attempt to put together a team that's going to have as many wins as possible that season, and that's going to really, I think, detract from our ability to talk about potentially tanking. But it also, I think, makes the Vikings a little bit more exciting, at least every year. So, uh, which I think, from an ownership perspective, might be the goal. So, uh, I-, I think that that kind of defines a lot of how we should evaluate this team. Yeah, Luke Inman, I, I thought that there were sort of contrasting comments about Cousins and the quarterback position in general. On one hand, he's very optimistic about 2023. He's pumped about 2023, but no comments about beyond that. Um, he also acknowledged the benefits of having a rookie quarterback on a uh, on that rookie contract or a young quarterback on that rookie contract. I think Quazy basically acknowledged the same thing at the Combine. So what we're hearing from the two most important members of the Vikings organization, rookie quarterback, good. That to me, Luke, it sounds like this new regime kind of has a direction that they're leaning. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's no secret what the quarterback market has kind of turned into now and how in today's league, either you're paying an elite blue chip quarterback or you're trying to find one in the draft every year. But it's still refreshing, I think, to hear him say those words out loud, isn't it? Because even though it's somewhat of a general assumption at this point, until he actually comes out there and says it, you're kind of left wondering, well, what's their mindset at quarterback? And knowing Kirk's on the contract, you're... I fully expect him to come out and have the season of his life, but hearing all the homework they're kind of doing on these rookie quarterbacks now, obviously making the decision not to extend Kirk long-term this offseason too, I think it's just really nice to hear for some of the fan base that KOC and Quasi are going to stay aggressive and keep taking swings until they find their own blue-chip guy, whether that's this year or maybe next year in the draft. And the fact that he recognizes, like you mentioned, Sam, the huge advantages if you can hit on a guy in the draft 
being able to pay him such a stark contrast in salary on those cheap rookie deals and the the freedom really it allows you to just build this really competitive team around that guy was something I think a lot of fans really appreciated hearing from him yesterday. So whether they move up for like a Will Levis, right, or they stay put, and maybe they're like Hendon Hooker, or even if they just wait until next year's draft, it just now feels like we can maybe unofficially officially expect a new quarterback experiment in 2024 one way or another. So it's not an if, I guess, at this point, but maybe when. And there was a report too, Reggie, that said Kirk Cousins offered the team to take a discount on a longer-term extension, and they turned him down. So assuming, Reggie, that the plan is to let the contract expire and then bring in Kirk Cousins' successor, is there anything Kirk Cousins can do to change that? Is there anything that he can do this year to force the team's hand and make them re-sign him in 2024 and beyond? He can have a Joe Flacco year yeah. and just take the team to the Super Bowl. And then you're like, oh, dang, like that really forces their hand. <laughs> like even if they oh, get no. there, even if they get there and don't win, like you have a quarterback that took the team to the Super Bowl. And now you're like, OK, like Joe Flacco played out of his mind in that playoff, uh, in that in that year's playoffs into that Super Bowl game. And. I don't think he's played that good since. <laughs> so if, if Kirk not. Cousins, yeah, if Kirk Cousins has some type of of year like that, then you're like, oh dang, well, guess we got to do what we got to do and pay the man because like you can't let a quarterback go who does that. You know, it, it was interesting like seeing Kirk Cousins come in after Case Keenum and the the miracle and all that. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, Case is great. We love him. Yeah, but get out of here. We got Kirk Cousins now. And so I think that whole thing shows that the – I mean, different regime, but it shows that the team is good with trying to find whoever the best fit is. And if Kirk takes them to the Super Bowl, then he is that best fit. Because you, you think about it, what the Wolves said and what they've been sticking to, this is not a team that – you really expect to just tank. So them bringing in a quarterback on a rookie deal, I think that's going to be a situation where either they have to trade up in next year's draft or just some type of spontaneous combustion happens and they find their way up near the top of the draft. But with how competitive they're trying to be, getting that rookie quarterback is going to be a little bit difficult because unless they want to mortgage the future, trade away picks in the future, I just don't know how they're going to get up to get that top-flight quarterback uh, on a rookie deal. And before we continue the QB conversation with Reggie Wilson, a reminder that we're brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's America's number one sportsbook, and if you're a new customer, you can snag the no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim that no-sweat first bet. Hundreds of ways to wager, including on the Final Four, the Frozen Four, NBA, NHL, and the Masters Futures. Check that out, fanduel.com slash locked on. Chance at a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Is it Super Bowl or bust? Like, it's a great question. Like, what is the threshold? What if he got to the NFC Championship game, for example? Do you think that would be enough to get there and put him over the hump and say, all right, we got to bring this guy back. We got to run it back for at least one more year. Or is it probably Super Bowl I, I mean, uh, or they move on? What do you think? 
aside from like how emotionally taxing it would be to get to an NFC championship oh game, gosh. not like the Super Bowl again. Can you imagine? From like a, from a fan standpoint, that would be pretty emotionally taxing. I think that uh, that would probably kind of be enough, right? Like winning consecutive playoff games or earning, you know, the mm-hmm. first overall seed and winning one playoff game mm-hmm. um, would probably be enough. I mean, I they're complaining about it now, but I think Vikings fans would love to be in that Packer situation where it's like, man, we were ready to move on from this guy, but he just had two back-to-back MVP seasons. I guess we got to keep him, right? Like that. That's a that's a good problem, right? And so, uh, yeah, the Vikings would be forced to extend Kirk Cousins, which at least would resolve the void year problem that they have right now with him. That twenty-eight and a half million that's going to hit next year without him on the roster. Um, so yeah, that, that's, um, that I think would be kind of the, the level of performance you'd expect for them to be like, yeah, well, we drafted, you know, Hendon Hooker. Um, I guess he's going to have to wait a bit. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) you know, I I think that that's just going to, going to be, um, how, how that has to play out, but you have to, um, win a couple of playoff games or at least one playoff game. Right. I think he's only won one in his career, right. The one against new Orleans, um, you have to win at least one playoff game, but but more than that, I think that you have to put together a performance that makes you, um, you know, indispensable, right? Makes like you're you're putting together MVP type performances. Which to Reggie's point, you know, not having consecutive offensive coordinator, I guess play callers, you know, for a while speaks to that. Some of that's because you know, like Kevin Stefanski, they were pretty good. Some of that is because of Nor Turner, you know, the the re- retirement. I guess we're still calling it that or resignation. <laughs> Quote um, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, some of that's positive moves up. Some of that's not quite like Pat Shermer positive move up. Some of that's not quite. So, you know, it's not necessarily just a cavalcade of bad offensive coordinators, but you know, yeah, having consecutive play callers could mean a lot, especially when I I don't think Kirk and O'Connell were necessarily on the same page throughout the season this year. Yeah. I I think too, guys, we got to consider that if Kirk has the type of year that gets him close to, or in the Super Bowl and he has free agency on the horizon, Oh boy! Why would mm. he even want to come back? Maybe, maybe Kirk has some loyalty. Because the Vikings have the best facilities in the league. Why else? Hey, number one in the NFLPA survey. That that is, it's almost an annoying feather in their cap at this point because that's the only thing <laughs> right. that anyone asks anyone. Right, Did yeah. you come to Minnesota because of the survey? Um, but if Kirk can go sign on the open market for a hundred million dollars. He's not going to bend to Quasi and say, oh, yes, I would love to sign a one-year deal with you uh, and just continue to groom this rookie quarterback underneath me. No. I mean, yeah. I, I think Kirk, shy Kirk of winning Quasi, the Super Bowl. Kirk going to Quasi and saying yesterday's price is not today's price would be <laughs> absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> it, it is a conundrum. It is a conundrum. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, the the Case Keenum example is is, is kind of perfect in this case. And I think about this way too much, guys. Like in in those quiet moments at night when you can't sleep, my mind wanders, and my mind wanders to if Case, Case Keenum. Keenum had just won that that game in Philadelphia, would they have re-signed him? Would it have been the Case Keenum show mm-hmm. in Sam, 2018? You might need to seek some help. Yeah, Kirk, how you doing? Well, man? That's all right. We're the audience. But Kirk Kirk would have signed with the New York Jets, and now it would be Kirk Cousins getting shoved out of New York for Aaron Rodgers instead of uh, instead of Zach Wilson and Mike White and Joe Flacco. I don't know who else is on the Jets, but I I want to get to the the other takeaway I thought from Kevin O'Connell is that he's talking as if Byron Murphy is going to be a shadow corner. Um, he talked about how much he loves his inside-outside capability. And I look back, I didn't realize how much slot 
Byron Murphy yeah. has played in his career. In mm-hmm. fact, two of his four years playing more slot than outside. Last year, arguably had his best year as an outside corner primarily, but this might be the first shadow corner since Xavier Rhodes. Uh, Vikings haven't had that since, what, 2018 was the last time that Rhodes could reliably shadow somebody. So that could be a luxury, Luke Goodman, with this Byron Murphy that the Vikings haven't had in a long time, and I could see Brian Flores really capitalizing on that skill set. Oh, 100%. I mean, obviously, he was their big prize free agent. And KOC comes out and said, I feel like not only does he bring the instincts and the ball skills, but the fact that he can slide inside to the slot when they run the nickel was a huge advantage for them and why they seeked him out specifically. And Sam, that was a big question you and I were asking just Tuesday on the football party of this cornerback group, who's going to play the slot? Is that guy on the team right now? So it just feels good knowing they've addressed that position with Chanted Sullivan gone. You know, Reggie mentioned they'll look to the draft and free agency to add another body or two there as well. But, you know, as we kind of got into on Tuesday, this inside slot cornerback position is one of the more difficult positions to play in the NFL right now. And they don't really get the credit or the money they really deserve at this point. So having a, I'm not going to call him elite slot guy, but having definitely a, a guy who is more than capable and can excel there feels really good just from a schematic standpoint with Brian Flores, being able to drop some different, you know, packages and sub packages, different exotic blitzes and looks, things like that. Keeping him close to the line of scrimmage, I think is a big strength of his. I also wanted to mention too, just while we're talking about the KOC stuff, you know, a lot of fans asked this offseason, were kind of clamoring, how are they going to improve the offensive line? And a lot of folks said they need better interior linemen specifically. Mm-hmm. They need to upgrade from Bradbury. They should uh, trade Ezra Cleveland because he's playing out of position. And so what do they do? Of course, they bring back the exact same starting five. But to hear KOC talk about we're going to improve the offensive line, not by bringing in new guys, but bringing balance to the offense through running the ball efficiently and avoiding the obvious passing downs and passing to set up the run like they had to do a lot last year. Uh, And then in turn, he mentioned, that will hopefully obviously take a lot of pressure off the guys up front slowly but surely. So um, even though they're trotting out the same five guys up front next year, it still feels like there's a lot of real expectations to still improve the blocking up front in that area, not through personnel changes again, but just by modifying the way they design their weekly game plans and, again, being more efficient, specifically in the run game. So I thought that was interesting, too. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I think that the emphasis on going back toward the run is (sighs) – we saw for so many years what this offense looks like when there is – supposed balance and we we actually got frustrated by it we got frustrated by the attempt at balance so then when the vikings went really hard one way i think we got frustrated by that too because we said ah well they just they can't run the ball they're constantly in second and 12 um so arif as an advocate of i think passing the ball a lot that's that's you in a nutshell pass the ball you don't like the run game. That's, that's you don't like running backs. You nailed it. That's that's kind of the that is uni- yeah. That is his Tinder bio summed up. I know everything <laughs> yeah. about you as a person. Um, what do you rock. think about this shift back toward the run pass balance? 
I actually, so I was rolling my eyes while this was happening, not because of them running the ball more. I'm actually fine with it. Running the ball has become a little bit more efficient over the past couple of years. Um, more true for teams that have running quarterbacks than not running quarterbacks. That needs mm-hmm. to be said. You know, you had five teams that had run dominant quarterbacks, you know, like Daniel Jones, Marcus Mariota, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, you know, all of those guys, right? Uh, I'm missing one, but whatever. Uh, oh, Jalen Hurts, obviously. So uh, those teams ended up having a lot better run games as a product of their quarterbacks being legitimate run threats on designed runs, not just scrambles. Uh, and so when you take those out, there's not a ton of teams that got you know very efficient running the ball. The 49ers were one of them. Of course, they have Christian McCaffrey. That does change things a little bit. But um, it, it is something that, from an analytical perspective, is defensible so long as you're good at it, which was not true five, six years ago. If you were good at running the ball, it was still a bad idea to run the ball more often than not the thing is my issue is not you know with with the way that kevin o'connell is probably going to approach this um but i i would not argue that the vikings were balanced under mike zimmer i think that they ran the ball too much balance is not 50 50 balance is relative to what works what maximizes your outcomes right and the balance that O'Connell would bring would be of a substantially different nature. They would run the ball in theory more effectively, but just a little bit more often. And I think Kevin O'Connell believes, and I know Kirk Cousins actually disagrees, and I'm actually with Kirk on this one, that running the ball better opens up the play action game. Now, statistically, that doesn't seem to bear out, but certainly there are probably some field effects to take a look at and, you know, all that. The reason I was rolling my eyes is I, I have seen an offense that runs the ball a lot with Garrett Bradbury. He did not become a good pass protector because of it. I am not confident that that running the ball more often will improve the state of the offensive line. Ed Ingram was a run blocker at LSU. He did not turn into a wonderful pass blocker. I had some concerns just on film about Ed Ingram as a potential starting guard. So I don't know that that's going to help the pass protection, but I and, and I think that they need to be more proactive about the offensive line and bringing in competition for Ingram. Again, I know he's a second-year player. You can't like just uh, yeet him because of a bad rookie year. That's particularly true for, for offensive linemen more than anything else. But I think that bringing in competition at guard, improving at center, those should have been higher priorities for the Vikings. But um, I do think that the offense is probably going to be better because of continuity. I think that their uh, approach to running the ball a little bit more often could pay off dividends. I'm, I'm definitely going to be open-minded about that. And I do think that if, they, if this is what forces them to be a little bit more aggressive about using play action, you know, you know, whether or not it's it's a myth that running helps play action, not, they're probably going to do it more often. I think that's a good thing. Kirk Cousins is fantastic at play action, so do that. So I think the offense is probably going to be better. I think that, you know, there's a lot of reasons to think so. That doesn't mean I agree with the way that they're approaching the offensive line, but I do think that there's probably a lot to, to be gained out of this. Yeah, I mean, Re- Reggie, it feels like a hybrid of what we saw with Kubiak in 2021 and what we saw last year with, with KOC at the helm kind of merging those two philosophies into the 2023 offense. Yeah, and here's my thing. This whole thing is moot if it doesn't work. How many times did we see last year them giving the ball to Dalvin and like before he even could get to the line of scrimmage, somebody is like wrestling him down, mauling him down like a bear. Like I just think that that's the tough part. It's it's good theory. Like, yeah, we're going to be more efficient. We're going to run the ball better. And, you know, maybe KLC is, is, is you know, talking to mentors and going deep in his bag and figuring out better ways to, you know, execute the run plays or whatever. But the reason why they were so unbalanced last year is because a lot of times the run just didn't work. You know, like Dalvin went over a grand, but, like, that was the most, like, 
quiet, limped a thousand yards. Line on that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just three like, yards at a time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like you know, I think it, it's funny because like a thousand seems to be like that benchmark for like receivers for running backs. Like if they had a thousand yards, they did well. But like if you kind of look at it, like a thousand yards, depending on what the volume is, is not the most efficient stat that right. that you can have on an offense, and so. I think that's the that's the big thing. Like a lot of times they were like you said, it's second and 12, it's third and 12. And I think what was good about last year's team that deferred under Kubiak was when they got in those long and distances under Kubiak, you were like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a punt. But under Kevin O'Connell, like a lot of times they were converting those uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) long and distances. So, like, I just think that 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 whole thing is moot if the run just doesn't work like it did last year. Like if they can't get three, four or five yards of carry out of the run game. And we still don't know who exactly is going to be running the ball for the Vikings because this whole thing with Dalvin is still kind of, kind of murky at this point. No doubt. All right. Before we pivot from Reggie Wilson to Ron Johnson, our closer today on the show, go around the horn I want to know who you want to see wearing number zero for the Vikings next year. Lucan, any thoughts? Thus far throughout the league, I know like Calvin Ridley, Paris Campbell, both said they're going to rock number zero. Rashad Bateman, correct me if I'm wrong, for the Gophers in college. That feels he rocks right. zero. Yeah. So he'll probably want it in Baltimore. So maybe one of the wideouts, I guess, would be the trend. Jalen Rager back there returning punts would be fun to see. I think for me personally, just visually, I want the guy in the middle of your formation. I think it would just look cool. So Bradbury or maybe Brian Osamoa, I think Bradbury's that was not allowed to wear zero. So they, they can't. <laughs> offensive and defensive linemen are not allowed. Unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah. No. We're going to do that, though. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we're going to break we'll Sorry, Goodell. Find me every game. Uh, Ten grand every game. So I, I think that you can play with this a little bit. I think obviously, you know, I, I don't want uh, Harrison Smith to change his number or anything like that. But if you had a successor to the eraser, right, the oh. idea that you could have someone erase people while wearing the number zero sounds mm. phenomenal to me. Right. That's a lot of fun. So Lewis seen, I think, you know, would be uh, a really wonderful candidate if he can really step up his game. Like, obviously, we didn't get to see him because of an injury, but, you know, he was the third safety throughout mm-hmm. camp. I don't think he had an amazing camp or anything like that. We didn't get to see him on the field last year. If he can show up this year as a starting safety who has the ability to completely obliterate people, I think zero would be really poetic. Reg? I think for me, when you think <clears throat> of guys wearing zero, you think of guys who are kind of like a blur out there, guys who have the speed and, and all that. So wouldn't it be interesting to see like Brian Asamoah in zero, him just going out there, just wrecking people with zero or or maybe Byron Murphy. You got your your best cornerback out there wearing zero, locking up the team's best receiver. So yeah, zero I receptions, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it's kind of a metaphor right there. So I think that would be. Those would be my two choices. Oddly enough, both on the defensive side. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I if would there like... was a double zero, you'd want to give it to like a nose tackle. But I think the single zero, I could totally see. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, if it's going to be Murphy or a cornerback, it has to come with the proclamation that I'm going to give up zero touchdowns or I'm going to allow allow zero receptions in this game. Yeah, if you, if you, if you do up. that and you come away with no interceptions, that is a huge problem. 
Yeah, right. You do open yourself up to a little ridicule there. Yeah. Yeah. If or if you're a wide receiver, if you get shut down in a certain game, zero receptions, number zero doesn't look great. Yeah, it's so you gotta you you do yeah, you do have to open yourself up to some taking some arrows there. But um Reggie, we we now we're coming out to the mound. I'm signaling for for the closer. We're sending you out. Um the crowd rises, tipping their caps to Reggie Wilson, who started today's ball game. Uh adios, Reggie. Thanks for joining. <laughs> All right, fellas. Later, Rich. All right. And we bring in Ron Johnson. Before we get to Ron Johnson, a reminder to subscribe to the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter. Do that at LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Who writes that thing? Oh, yeah, it's Luke Inman covering the scope of the NFL Draft world. It's NFL Draft Buzz, LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters. Ron Johnson joins us now. He's at 3RonJohnson on Twitter. And he is the host of the Ron Johnson Show right here on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Ron, a good day to you. Uh, I had a question about when you are on an NFL roster, are you kind of monitoring what's going on with the roster around you? Are you looking to say, okay, this team just brought in a couple free agents. Oh, they drafted somebody. Um, that's threatening my spot. Like, are when you're a player on an NFL team, are you really kind of locked into what's going on with the the structure of that roster around you? Uh, not too much around you. Um, you do look at the draft though, as far as receivers. Uh, I remember being with the Bears, and uh, the Bears drafted uh, rest in rest in peace Cedric Benson um, that year when I was with the Bears, and so I was excited because they were going to draft Braylon Edwards. We thought. Um, and they ended up drafting a running back. So not bringing in a receiver uh, meant well for all of us in the receiver room. They end up cutting Bobby Wade. Um, and then I end up going to tight end. And then right before the first game, they were like, hey, we want to move you back into the slot uh, to start the season off. So, yeah, you do kind of watch because you, you you look around at the league and, and try to figure out what's going on as far as who's coming in. As far as like – other positions that have nothing to do with you, no. Like, you don't care about what offensive lineman, unless it's a big-time guy, you don't look at the offensive lineman. Uh, if it doesn't impact you, I don't really think guys are like – they're excited to be teammates with the guy, but at the end of the day, they're just like, all right, let's move on to the next. If it doesn't affect my position, I'm not worried. Um, and, and I think that's about the scope of it because even if you're like a backup quarterback or starting quarterback like Zach Wilson said, if you're bringing in Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to make Aaron Rodgers' life a living hell – but at the end of the day, I know he's coming in to be the starter. So, yeah, you you keep an eye on it. But other than that, if it doesn't affect your position, you know, you're just like, oh, great. We got another guy in the building. Good to have him. And then, you know, you move on to the next. And and one more question just about offseason as an NFL player. Like today, these guys probably have group chats, right? I mean, they're they're talking on their cell phones all the time. When you were playing, I know, you know, cell, maybe cell phones weren't even as Prominent there. Not trying to date you, Ron. Not trying to make you seem <laughs> old, but but like, how did you stay in touch yeah, with you, your teammates? You focused. Using a focused locker room. It yeah. So yeah, yeah. Phones weren't. Phones were kind of new. We still have flip phones. Uh, Sprint had just come out with a walkie-talkie phone. Oh, um, the chirp. Oh, the chirp. I love that. Oh, no, my it wasn't God. the chirp. So the oh, chirp okay. was different. The chirp the, was Nextel. Like yeah, Nextel. Okay. Yeah, I you could that. chirp. Sprint okay. had the true walkie-talkie, where it's basically like the walkie-talkie that Apple steals right now. That's on your watch so if you're on your mm-hmm. watch and you're connected to somebody else that has a watch um you can walkie talkie them uh if they're in your contact so like i can walkie talkie my wife from my watch 
And uh, if you have your Bluetooth in, it kind of looks cool. Like you're, you know, like you're a secret agent. You can, you know, hit this, talk into your earpiece and move on. So Sprint had just come out with that. They also had the walkie-talkie watch back then, which it's funny how Apple has found a way to put in the actual Apple watch. But yeah, so myself, Terry Jones, Chester Taylor, Ed Reed, Will Demps, uh, Bart Scott, um, forgot who else was in our group, but we all went to the mall and bought them. And we thought it was cool because we all lived like within each other. Like I could look out my window now in this house I'm looking at over here, like a couple miles down the road. That was like Ed Reed's house. So I can see his house from my house. So it was kind of cool to be able to like walkie talk him and be like, hey, what are you doing outside? And then, you know, all other guys <laughs> would hear, you know, you could see other guys chirping if you're in the group. And then you would walkie-talkie that guy like, man, let's let's go to the mall or let's do this. So that's the only way we really kept up back then. There was no group text. Uh, none of that stuff had been uh, created yet. There was the AOL. Uh, it wasn't a BlackBerry, but I forgot what it was called. But it was like a little AOL device. And you could send me, Sidekick. That's what it was with T-Mobile. Oh, Sidekick. Wow. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you had the AOL Sidekick group chat. Mm. Uh, that was the only true group trap, but it was basically AOL Messenger. That's what it was. Right. So, mm. yeah, that's how we kept in touch with each other. We all had the sidekicks. We had the the BlackBerry. We, I mean, that was the dumbest thing. We all had we had so many different stupid devices, and now you know all you need is a phone because it does it all. Who who was the guy most likely you walk into the locker room there playing Snake on the Nokia brick? Remember the Nokia, <laughs> the classic Nokia? Was there one guy who's like oh, uh, the Nokia? If it was like a a stupid game like Snake or something like that that was like mind numbing, it would have been yep. somebody like Brandon Stokely or Todd Heat. <laughs> um because neither of them were big Madden guys. So okay. but they did like like little like we used to play a game called Pass the Trash on the plane mm. uh with me, Chris Redman, Brandon Stokely, Jamal Lewis. Uh mm. again, it would be a, and it, you could play it with everybody because as long as you have you can't have more people than cards in the deck. So you could have like 50 people play this game. Mm -hmm. And the goal was everybody puts up like three bucks, simple cheap game, but the pot is huge because you got everybody in it. So right. if you make it five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, if you get ten guys, it's a hundred dollar pot. Right. And all you have to do is beat the person to the left. If your card's higher to the person left, they're out the game, and then you move on to the next. You just you can't be the whoever has the lowest card when everybody holds their card up, they're out. And then you keep moving on. And that's what you call a pass the trash because you can switch cards with somebody to your left and that's it. And you could tell when somebody gets trash because if they pass it and then you know you've given them a worse car, you just say, I'm good, because you know I can beat him. Right. That's all you have to do. <laughs> right, person, yeah. right, I'm good. So, but yeah, as oh, far hilarious. as those those little little flip phone games, I'd say like Stokely and Todd Heat. Those were the guys i probably put on that. that that's that's who we have to watch out for for getting addicted to Candy Crush nowadays. Yeah, right? no kidding. All right, here's my real question, Ron. Um, we hear all the time players make the biggest leap from year one to year two, but what if a player isn't able to see the field at all? Like, we just had mm -hmm. a conversation before you came on. We talked about Andrew Booth Jr. and Lewis C and the expectations we have for them this year. So even though they got virtually zero snaps in year one, is it still fair to expect them to come in and be drastically further along than they were when they got here as rookies? I guess how much of year one to year two leap that we hear all about is more mental than anything else, digesting the playbook and the nuances of the scheme, things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's speed. The speed of the game is so different. And I think it does take guys time to kind of figure out the speed, because like if you're changing from cover two to cover three, you don't have time to think about it. In college, you have a little bit more time on the clock because the clock stops after every first down. And there's a lot of stoppage. NFL, a lot of teams now go hurry, hurry, hurry. And so you just don't have time uh, to figure it out. Like you don't have the time to sit back and, you know, mid shift. You can't be guessing like, oh, wait, OK, he motioned. 
uh, he just gave me a signal. What is that? Like, and that's why you see guys like always like Patrick Peterson, you always see him looking back at the safeties in the other corners, trying to make sure, okay, this just happened. Are we in the right coverage? If you can't figure that out mentally, then you're playing slow because then you're like, if you're in four, but you're supposed to be in something else like three or two in your corner, you're kind of like, you can see them. They're kind of backpedaling, looking around, going slow, like, okay. And then they see a safety fire down to the line of scrimmage. They're like, oh crap, I'm in three. And then they run after their guy. That's when you see chaos happen and guys come wide open and everybody's like, how did that happen? Like, I don't know if you guys have saw the last, like the top five Devontae Adams plays from last year. Everybody keeps playing these. Um, I don't know why. Maybe to make Jimmy Garoppolo happy. Um, but there's a play where Patrick Sertain gets caught in no man's land. I think it was overtime, Oakland versus Denver. and Or Las Vegas, sorry, versus Denver. And he gets caught in no man's land thinking Devontae Adams is going to run a deep over. And Devontae Adams runs a corner route wide open, catch, touchdown, overtime. He waves by to the crowd. Uh, but Patrick Sertain, you could see he thought it was some kind of like trail, like deep coverage where he was going to take the guy across the field. That's when that happens. When you get caught in that no man's land where you really don't know the true coverage. Like if he knew it was sticky man, he probably would have went up and got closer to him. Hmm. But you could see he was lost. And then he just got lost in the play because they crisscrossed. And when they crisscrossed, he didn't realize, OK, we're switching guys. And that's what happens to corners, especially young corners, a lot in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I do expect a change. But if they didn't play much last year, are we really going to know? And and that's the that's the question more for the coaches. Yeah, that's fair. I, I I'm kind of curious about you know the way that this offensive uh, system will develop. Last time you know you and I talked on the show, you know we mentioned that they're probably going to do a lot of like twelve personnel. They're going to be in heavier personnel a lot more often, mm -hmm. um, and that puts unless they grab a guy, which is entirely possible, but I think a little bit unlikely, it puts a lot of pressure on KJ Osborne to be a really high level wide receiver too. Now I thought that his camp last year was phenomenal. I thought he did really well in camp. He didn't really bear out in terms of production until late in the season, but. Um, I right now there seems to be a lot of pressure on on Osborne to be kind of wide receiver too. And I'm not going to ask you can he do it. I think that you think that mm -hmm. he can. But rather, should the Vikings be more aggressive about giving him competition for that wide receiver two spot? Yeah, I, I not say competition. You always have to have three solid receivers. That's the thing about the NFL. Even when you because when you go three wide, uh, nothing is Brandon Powell. Uh, but I think he's truly going to be like a fourth receiver, punt return mm -hmm. or kick return. Like I think that's why Kevin O'Connell bought him in. He did it with the Rams. Kevin O'Connell knows him from that, so he's like, let's let's bring this guy in. He's a solid punt return. Then maybe they they're a little bit more comfortable with him maybe back there than Jalen Rager. Who knows? Yeah. But when you think about um that situation of KJ Osborne being wide receiver too we said it last year that he did a great job at it when he got a chance when Adam Thielen was hurt so he's earned that right to be out there to do it but they do need a solid three two like a guy to push him uh or a guy to be out there when he's not out there I think that's the other side of this it's not always about just pushing a guy it's also when we go three wides, we want to be like Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, and so on and so forth. You know, you want to have the Van Jefferson. You know, that's why teams are going out getting that. I mean, look at the the Jets. They have Alan Lazard. They already have the rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson. And they're still talking about maybe bringing in Odell Beckham. Like, that's what teams who really want to make it an air game do. They go get that guy. Now, if this team is truly going to be a run team, then, yeah, they don't need that. You don't need to spend that money because I heard something great. Uh, on on the radio when they were talking about Dan Campbell making his comments about Jared Goff and also Ron Rivera with the commanders about, you know, not wanting Lamar Jackson. And this is the problem. When you spend $200 million, let's say, quote, unquote, $180 million 
on a quarterback, you have to now make changes. One, you got to get rid of a player to trade for Lamar Jackson. You got to give up draft picks and you're going to lose guys eventually because you can't sign them because you have this big contract. So with the Vikings, that's what they have to think about is like, where are our big contracts and can we absorb more? Probably not. Like Justin Jefferson is going to be a big one. So we can't have an expensive receiver room because we're going to have Justin Jefferson and that's where they're going to be. They're going to be in purgatory again with being able to figure out how do we make this money work if we have to pay JJ 180, you know, and that's and guarantee, you know, because my guess is he's going to be want to be a guarantee guy. He doesn't leave the field. He doesn't get hurt. Um, knock on wood. But that's that's the next step for the Vikings is like, can you afford another guy when you know you need to pay JJ, you have TJ Hawkinson, you have Dalvin Cook, CJ Ham, Josh Oliver, you want to run the ball. Um, and so, yeah, it, and you just want to go deep every once in a while, like the 49ers with Debo Samuel, like that's Debo Samuel is going to be the Justin Jefferson, like Justin Jefferson is going to be the the one receiver they need. And then you have KJ Osborne to supplement, but your, 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 your running backs, your tight ends are a big part of your offense. And I think maybe that's what Kevin O'Connor wants to get to. In, in closing, Ron, we talked about this early on in the show. It seems like they are letting Kirk Cousins' contract expire. They've decided yep. not to give him a long-term extension. Do you think there is a path where Kirk Cousins could play so well that they are forced to offer him an extension next offseason before he hits free agency? What, what do you think Kirk Cousins would need to do um, to get to that point? There's always a path to everything. Like, I mean, there's a chance that when this next raindrop comes in the spring, if we ever see spring, um, that the rainbow, if we follow it far enough, we'll find a pot of gold. Like, there's always a path. And so I don't know if Kirk Cousins has gold at the end of his rainbow. I don't know if he's done. Uh, but honestly, Jamie Ertle, like, I, I hate to say it, she one, she's a homer from Minnesota, so I get it. She's more yeah. of a fan, and she has lived through the pain of Minnesota sports. It, it was and football. really well articulated what, what she said. Though. And it was, but I, I had to take the fan side out of her and remember, like, she's from here. So she's the same frustrated pe person that a lot of people here are. Um, but she makes good sense saying, Great, you can win the division. You've done that before. You you've made it to a, a NFC championship, but can you actually get back? Can you go to a Super Bowl? Um, like is is Kirk Cousins, the definition of insanity. Like, do you keep just doing the same thing over and over with a good, great quarter, good to great quarterback, but mediocre overall play because of uh, what he doesn't give you? And then that's when the Lamar Jackson conversation comes into place there. Like, well, if you're going to be a running team, do you want to do what the Philadelphia Eagles did and put your quarterback in a situation to be able to run? That's why Lamar Jackson wanted to be healthy into this situation because he knew it was going to happen. He knew he wanted money. He's like, if I go into this offseason unhealthy, there's not a chance anybody's going to take up, give me more money in, in this coming season. So he bet on himself saying, one, I didn't want to go out there and RG3 that thing and get hurt worse. Um, two, I knew this was going to come, whether it was the Ravens, because if the Ravens want to pay me, they're going to put me through the rigors and test my knee and do all this stuff or another team. And so if, if, I mean, he's already wearing purple. If you bring Lamar Jack, the number is going to be gone because Kirk Cousins is gone. So you just switch eight for eight. If Lamar Jackson were to do that, or Lamar Jackson could come over and wear zero, ground zero, start from the beginning. Now we're here. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, he could he could be an explosive piece to that puzzle with Dalvin Cook in the backfield. He could throw the ball to Rashad Bateman. We've seen that. So then you have Justin Jefferson to get that, KJ Osborne, TJ Hawkinson. He, him and uh, Andrews were, were big time. Mark Andrews was big time with the Ravens. So you can't say he can't throw it to the tight end up the seam. So, I mean, there we are. But 
again, we weren't happy about paying Kirk Cousins a ton of money, but we're going to be happy about paying Lamar Jackson a ton of money. So the Ravens have never been to a Super Bowl either. I mean, again, like that's like I said, but he's never had a, like everybody said, he's never had a true number one receiver like Justin Jefferson. He's never had, uh, you know, like a running back like Dalvin Cook. I get all that, but that's that's kind of where I go with that. Like, I, I feel like Kevin O'Connell's just saying, hey, let's see what happens. Now, if Kirk Cousins balls out again, again, he's put he's going to put up 4,000 yards again. We know that. You can go to FanDuel.com and bet that now. Bet the early Kirk Cousins, 4,000. I don't know what that's given odds, but Kirk Cousins over 4,000 yards. Just put an early parlay down on that or a prop bet down on that because he's going to get over 4,000 yards passing. But does that equate to making it past the first round of the playoffs? Does that equate to winning the NFC Championship and going to a Super Bowl? That's what we have to figure out. That's why we have our jobs because we get to talk about that all off season. And then once the season rolls around, we'll see week one, two, and three. What does it look like? But yeah, Kirk Cousins could play himself into another contract, but at his age, I mean, look at Aaron Rodgers. Do you give him one or two more? Like, what do you give him? Like, do you let Kirk Cousins play till he's 40? I mean, I don't, you know, that's, that's going to always be the question. He's at three Ron Johnson on Twitter, host of the Ron Johnson show. And we'll talk to you on the round table in the morning, Ron, where we uh, we unveil our top five NFC and AFC quarterbacks. That should be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. I will say there are some already NFC. some uh, some drama with that. Uh, also, we are going to talk about this because this popped up. I don't know if you saw this, but the Timberwolves Rudy Gobert comment about uh, the second half oh, yeah. fouls mm-hmm. against the Suns. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that tomorrow too. Because yeah. I think the Timberwolves. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ruin it. I'll talk to you guys about that tomorrow. <laughs> that that's a professional tease right there. We'll that's talk good. to you then, Ron. Thanks. Appreciate it. And a rapid fire closing for us. Analytics fans rejoice. Woo-hoo-hoo! It's time to get educated. Whoa, you're blowing my mind right now. With the nerdy stat of the day. I want 30 seconds from each of you. Here's mine. This is lip service directly to you, Luke Inman, your cornerback draft crush. I just want to read off the glorious Devon Weatherspoon stat line (laughs) from last year. I know you love this guy. I know you want him to fall into the Vikings' lap. But how could he with a stat line like this? He allowed 22 completions on 62 targets, gave up a measly 206 yards, which is like three yards per time targeted. Um, zero touchdowns, picked off three passes, 14 pass breakups, and a passer rating against him of 25.3. Devon Witherspoon. Man, that is fire. Fire right there. Fire. All right. I'll flip over to the other side. Here's some crazy stats on Bijan Robinson, just to remind you why he's so special, considered one of the blue chips in this class. First off, He posted an off-the-charts 96 running grade per PFF, which is absolutely wild, and about as elite as it gets. And his 95.2 overall grade put him in the top five all-time for PFF grades from a Power 5 player since 2014. The other players who score that high in one season's coming out, Chase Young, Quinnen Williams, Kyle Pitts, and actually another running back this year, Michigan's Blake Corum. So he's about as elite as they come in that department. He also broke David Montgomery's record for most forced tackles with 104 this season. 104 forced missed tackles. Crazy, especially because David Montgomery's record is like – Within the PFF database, there's like a huge gap between David Montgomery and whoever. And the next guy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's crazy. He's got a 39% career force miss tackle rate that tied Javante Williams, obviously Bronco running back right now for highest all time. 
He had over a thousand yards this season after contact. Wow. He had a thousand yard season after contact. That was good for most in the country. And then he also had 41 explosive plays. That was top three in the country. Uh, he's going to be freshly 21 on draft night. The guy can do it all. He's won about every award possible there is to win. He can catch. He can wear you down with 25, 30 carries a game. You can split him out wide as a wide receiver in the slot if you want to. He can pick up the blitz. I know you should never take a running back early, but if you were ever going to make an exception to the rule, this is probably one of those guys to do so. So I'm just super curious where this guy ends up going on draft night because you already know somebody's going to cave in. He's going to go round one. How early? I mean, I've heard, Sam, I've heard top 10 to Philadelphia. I've heard Buffalo all the way at 27. I'm just mm -hmm. really curious. He's one of the more polarizing players. And he's about as close to a perfect prospect you'll find at a skill position once every five, six, seven years kind of guy. Until we see Marvin Harrison Jr. come out next year, that is. I it's, mean, that dude's going to be a, a top three yeah. pick. He's the next Larry Fitzgerald coming out. He'll be a top three pick. But yeah, like, John Robinson, crazy. A guarantee that Robinson is productive and mm -hmm. very good for that team. The question is, does he help that team win football Correct. games? Karif, put a bow on it. All right. So I have been a little bit lukewarm on Marcus Davenport. Here's uh, you know some little positive statistical spin to put on the half sack season that he had last year. So before he got injured, um, or at least when, when he had a high snap count, right? Uh, as of November 4th, his double team rate was around 22% compared to other edge rushers in the NFL. Only eight had higher double team rates. So he certainly was double teamed a lot more often than Cameron Jordan, who had one of the lowest double team rates in the NFL. But it was just Danico Autry, Aiden Hutchinson, Zadarius Smith, Robert Quinn, Jerry Hughes, Demarcus Lord, Smiles Garrett, and Michael Parsons. They were the only players mm -hmm. double teamed more often than him. That means players like Nick Bosa, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick. All of those players were double teamed significantly less than Marcus Davenport. Mm -hmm. On top of that, on top of that, uh, he had about a league average pass rush win rate so we know that he didn't close right we talked about that on the show that he didn't close his sacks but that it wasn't because he didn't get pressure it's not because he didn't win right so if he can get that conditioning figured out if he's healthy you know he knows how to win off the snap and against double teams there's something potentially there, and that might be kind of the kind of data that the vikings are looking at it's about a league average pass rush win rate it is not astonishing but it's better than matt judon right it, you know mm. it's, it's better than Odafe owa it's better than montez but it's better than some of these guys, right? Better than George Karloftis, certainly much better than Cameron Jordan. Um, but given that he was double teamed as often as he was, right, there is the possibility, right, that that there is something to unlock you. Perfect, because he's thrown teams off the scent with the half-sack season. They yeah. won't look into this data. I'm sure the Vikings... Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Only the Vikings have looked at this publicly available data. Right. And Vikings will just get a bunch of single teams on him, and it'll be wonderful. Um, that's a great stat. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, Luke Inman, Locked On Sports Minnesota, and I'm Sam Ekstrom. Comment below, uh, what do you think about our nerdy stat guys? Marcus Davenport, Bijan Robinson, Devon Witherspoon. Who's your draft crush? Who's your free agency crush? Let us know. Locked On Sports Minnesota comment section. Um, until next week, gentlemen, on the Minnesota Football Party, we'll talk to you then. And for today... So long. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.